Welcome to the Bigger Pockets Real Estate Podcast, episode 860. Today we're doing something a bit unique. My good friend David and I are actually going to be splitting up and bringing you two separate interviews. Each episode is going to feature a boots on the ground investor and real estate agent who are doing deals in today's market. That's right, doing deals in the ominous 2023 market. Ooh. We're going to hear from Mike, an investor in the Washington, D.C. area who's making a profit flipping properties, which is really interesting, actually, because flipping properties is a very risky strategy in today's market. So we're going to walk through one of Mike's deals and discuss what best practices and strategies he's using to make these deals pencil out, a.k.a. what is he doing to not lose money on his flips? You're going to also be hearing from Mike's real estate agent, Rob Chavez. He's going to discuss market conditions, sourcing this deal, and the process of working with real estate investors. Rob is actually one of the featured agents on the Bigger Pockets Agent Finder. This tool helps investors like you find real estate agents that are trained in the world of investing in their specific market. So visit biggerpockets.com slash agent finder to learn more. And by the way, if you want to listen to my partner in crime, David Green's solo episode, then you're going to want to be on the lookout for the next episode coming out later this week. Without further ado, let's bring in Mike and Rob. Rob, welcome to the show. Uh, I want to talk about the metrics of this market. And to start the show off today, can you tell us a little bit about yourself as a real estate agent and what market are you focused in at the moment? I'm an agent with Keller Williams Realty in Reston, Virginia, which is just 30 minutes outside of you know DC area. We really come to the DMV area. So DC, Maryland, Virginia, kind of DMV is what we call it. But I specifically focus on Fairfax County, Loudoun County, and uh, that's you know that's kind of our our backyard. Yeah, so that seems like a pretty big market uh, from Maryland down to Virginia. Just thinking about it, how big is that market? Like, if you were going to drive from one end to the other, hour and a half maybe max. But it's incredibly dense. Like that's the thing, okay. right? Like Reston alone, where where I am, there there's sixty thousand houses, and it's a little pin drop in all of the DMV area. Can you give us a little bit of a, I guess, an overview of what it looks like for days on the market in the DC market area specifically? I mean, it's it's under 30 right now, right? Um, now there's pockets, Rob. There's like, it's like everything, there's pockets. But I'll give you an example. Like in Reston right now, we are at like 17 days on market, like super fast, still going. And just to give you perspective, we listed two properties over the weekend one had six offers, one had three offers. All of them were were still multiple contracts. Now, I know some of my brothers and sisters that are listening right now in different parts of the DMV market are like, well, I'm not experiencing that. Like, you're not experiencing that in condos in DC proper. That's months on the market, like the average days on market, right? So, it's such an incredibly dense area. Every area is slightly different. So yeah, let's talk about that. The market conditions are obviously changing quite a bit. And it sounds like based on what you just said, 17 to 30 days, depending on what pocket you're in, how is that different from a couple of years ago when we were really at the peak of this real estate cycle? Well, it was two or three days on the market. I mean, when I'm telling you days on market were like five days, that that was it. Wow. Right? Yeah. So it's slowing down, but Rob, it's still incredibly fast, right? It, it just, just to put in perspective, conversation with, I was having with one of my agents, he was like, out of all the contracts, more than half were still cash. Wow, really? And so there's, there's still a lot of pent up demand that's out there, at least in the DMV area. So do you think that this market, given that there's so many cash offers and the fact that the days are still you know, relatively low, 17 to 30, like we were talking about, is this a competitive market for first-time homebuyers and investors? 
No, extremely competitive. I guess my question is, obviously things have shifted from days on market a little bit more. It sounds like things are flying off the shelf if it's a great deal. Tell me a little bit about how the interest rates have impacted investors in today's market. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's definitely dampened anybody that's trying to make uh, their buy and hold numbers work. So different strategies need to get employed, right? We're starting to see people doing a lot more creative financing, owner financing, sub two, buying sub twos. A lot of people that originally started buying Airbnbs, Rob, right? Uh, early last year and then started finishing the projects this year. They were like, oh my God, I started this project when we're like four and a half percent interest rate. By the time I got done with the project, uh, and Mike and I have a couple projects like that, right? It, they were at seven and a half percent. And so people are waiting. By the way, some of those investors have just kind of extended with their private lenders, waiting for interest rates, hoping that some of those interest rates drop sometime next year to then refinance out of them. So if I'm hearing you correctly, it sounds like a lot of people that were doing burrs into short-term rentals, we call them bursters. Yeah. They kind of went into this market like a year ago or so with a different, uh, I guess, view of what they thought rates would do. Now they're finally finishing up some of these bigger renovations that have been taking place over the last six to 12 months. Rates are a lot higher. And so we're seeing a lot of people somewhat pivot their strategy. Pivot their strategy to midterm, extending, working out deals with some of their private lenders to kind of extend their terms. Those have been the biggest. I've seen. And for anyone not familiar, a, a short-term rental, obviously, that's going to be anything that's from one to 30 days. But a midterm rental is anything that is 30 days or more. And the big differentiator is usually midterm rentals are fully furnished units that people are renting for 30, 60, 90 days, oftentimes more than that too. Whereas with the long-term rental, it's typically like a 12-month lease unfurnished and the tenant is actually paying their own bills and everything like that. So kind of interesting to see a lot of strategies are are changing. And so with the big change in sort of interest rates and days on market, competitive nature is still there. I want to get into a little bit why invest in this market. And I want to talk a little bit about you as well. Rob, you brought in one of your clients today, Mike, who you've actually worked with several times in this specific market. Mike, how long have you been investing for and how long have you been working with Rob? It's funny, I'm, all, I'm here actually because I just, you know, have really started in the last year and I feel like it was just yesterday I was listening to Bigger Pockets and soaking all this information in. And, um, and so for me, it's only been 18 months, two years that I've been doing it full time. So I'm still fairly green. Rob and I have done a handful of deals together. He was one of the first people I ran to when I kind of decided to make the full time jump into, into real estate investing. So, He's been kind of by my side throughout the whole process. Wow. And you said you you have been doing this for just a year in the real estate game? Yeah, a little over a year full time. Um, I've, I've kind of dabbled with it outside of professionally for a number of years and uh, actually got licensed at one point and, and tried the retail game a little bit. But my heart was really pushing me towards full time real estate investing. So yeah, the reality is it's only been about uh, 16, 18 months that I've been doing this full time. That's amazing. All right. So give us a quick snapshot of your portfolio. What have you accomplished in your short time real estate? Because that, that's honestly, it's amazing, man. If you, you didn't start too long ago, you're on the Bigger Pockets podcast telling your story. <laughs> Tell us what you've done. Talk about surreal, really. Like, uh, I've been thinking about that a lot. I'm like, I can't believe. I thought it was a joke, honestly, when Rob likes to pull my leg from time to time. So I mean, was like, Rob, are you? <laughs> um, but yeah, in, in the last uh, 16, 18 months, um, a lot of my strategy has been wholesale fix and flip kind of um, 
sell simply is sort of my acquisition sales business. So I use that to market direct to seller and then take those opportunities, wholesale some, we've done some fix and flip. And then we've been acquiring using creative finance for the last year or so. We've picked up five sub twos, a couple cash and a handful of flips as well in the last year, year and a half. Mike's had a really good job and he's, he's being humble right now. Like in the last 12 months, he's put together 10 amazing deals. And, and I want to say it wasn't like five sub twos, it's like eight sub twos, right? And I want to say, Mike, you've done like four solid renos that have all been 40 to 50,000 plus deals, like the one the one we're going to talk about today. Cool. So let, let's punch into this a little bit. You've mentioned creative finance and sub two. For anyone at home that's not really familiar with that, what, what exactly is creative finance in a very quick nutshell here? Creative finance is an overarching term for buying unconventional means. So when we say sub two, what we're talking about is buying a property and essentially leaving the original property owner's mortgage in place and taking t- and taking title to the property. So that loan that's existing will stay in the seller's name and we take title of the property as well as their existing loan interest rate. We make those payments, service those payments. So uh, it's been a good strategy for us this past year with the with the hike in interest rates. Uh, we're getting rates at two, three percent or better. It's been it's been wild. It's crazy. <laughs> um, but cool. You know, it's working for us. So we're we're pressing that button pretty hard right now. Yeah, for sure. So I want to get into your buy box here in a second. Before we do, Mike, obviously you're uh, a prolific investor in the the DC area. So just tell me off the like why do you like this area? What's the vibe? What's your favorite thing about investing here? Yeah, I mean for me I'm I'm it's my hometown. So it's my backyard. I've thought about making moves to other markets, but for me it's like I'm still green, like I'm learning the market and for me the easiest way to do that is here at home. I love the area. I've grown up here, so I'm partial as far as, you know, what what all it has. I mean, it has everything to me, my family. It's a couple hours to the beach, it's a couple hours to the mountains and the river and so um everything's here for me. It's an appreciating market. Cash flow is a little bit tough, but we're looking at it from a long-term perspective. It's a great market to buy and hold. Very cool. Well, I think we can probably start shedding the uh, the green investor title off of you because since you've done so much here in 16 to 18 months. But let's talk about your, your buy box. Okay. So Mike, what buy box did you bring Rob for this investment property that we're going to be talking about today? Yeah. So we're still, again, fairly new in our fixing and flipping. So we're, we're looking for opportunities to fix and flip in Northern Virginia. And so we're looking kind of smaller renovations, townhouses, two to 400K purchase price, 50 to 100K reno, something that we can buy, you know, around 200, put 50 into, which is sort of what this deal is like, and then, you know, sell it on the back end for 350, 400, you know, two, three bedroom, one to two bath, under 3,000 square feet. So for anyone at home that's never really thought, sat down and thought about what your buy box is, this is something that I think a lot of investors kind of figure out as they go. And it's effectively the criteria that you want to to abide by whenever you're considering a property. So Mike, you sort of talked about this purchase price being the 200, 250,000. How did you actually arrive at this specific buy box? Did you just find that you know, from a risk standpoint, 200 to 250 is not a huge risk for the types of profits that you were bringing in. What was your thought process there? You know, I talked to some lenders, um, had some some money that we felt confident we could get at that price. So we were trying to keep it on the smaller scale side. So that's sort of like entry level starter home in this area. 
300k so if we can come in you know around 200 like that's where we want to be and that's really you really can't find anything much cheaper than that around here frankly rob one of the things that mike and i had talked about was the first time home buyer market was still really moving fast right they didn't suffer from the having to know what interest rates were at four and four and a half percent. They have no reference point. They huh? have no reference yeah. point, right? So they're, so they're coming in and th- the properties that he's going after are perfect for first-time home buyers and, and they, they just move quickly, right? So the reno could be done in under 30 days. The sale could happen in under 30 days. There's not a ton of risk associated with it as long as you're getting it at the right number. Well, um, you know, now that we've learned about the market in Mike's buy box, we're going to talk through a flip property that Mike is currently working on. But first, we're going to take a quick break to hear from our sponsors. Passive income without the property headache? It's possible. There's a way to invest passively in real estate and get monthly income without any tenants, maintenance, or property management. The wealthy have been doing this for years, and if you're an accredited or high net worth investor, you too can collect cash flow without the headaches that come from owning rentals. How? By investing in a private real estate fund with PPR Capital Management. PPR's co-founder, Dave Van Horn, wrote the book on real estate note investing for BP. But he's not just investing in notes. Dave and his team also have an extensive background in commercial real estate. And with PPR Capital Management, they're strategically investing in both notes and commercial real estate nationwide. With over half a billion dollars in assets under management, PPR has provided individuals with a steady source of truly passive income since 2007 without ever missing a payment. Check them out at investwithppr.com. Again, if you're looking to get monthly passive income from an experienced team with a strong track record, go to investwithppr.com today. Finding rental property insurance has been a headache for the past few years. You know the feeling. You're scrambling, calling 20 different insurance agencies in a dozen different cities, struggling to protect your portfolio at the right cost. But I'm going to tell you a little secret that'll change everything. Veteran investors don't go through the everyday insurance companies. They just use NREG. NREG, that's N-R-E-I-G, provides insurance solely for real estate investors. They've built the largest insurance program in the country for residential tenant-occupied, vacant, and renovation properties. The best part? You can put all your properties on one insurance schedule and one monthly bill. And you can add, change, or remove properties without having to cancel one policy and purchase another. They insure properties from single-family rentals, up to 20-unit multifamily dwellings, vacation rentals, mobile homes, condos, and more. Trade catchy jingles for cash flow with insurance made for investors. Visit nreg.com slash bppod to request a proposal. N-R-E-I-G dot com slash B-P-P-O-D. Real estate investing is great, but for some, the tenant phone calls and clogged toilets aren't all that attractive. So how do you invest in real estate without getting your hands dirty? Invest for truly passive income with Pine Financial Group. Pine's mortgage fund offers a targeted 8% preferred return and an attractive profit split with 70% of net profits going to the investors. You'll earn passive income by participating in lending to house flippers. And it's secure because senior lien holders, that's you, are first in line to get paid. Their rigorous underwriting process and the backing of a physical asset mitigate downside risk. Plus, by investing with Pine Financial Group, you contribute to the revitalization of communities by directing your funds from Wall Street to Main Street and supporting local economies. The investment is reserved for accredited investors. Take control of your investments and secure more passive income today. Visit pinefinancialgroup.com slash biggerpockets to learn more about the fund. That's pinefinancialgroup.com slash biggerpockets. Okay, everybody, welcome back to the show. 
Now that we've heard about the DC market conditions, let's get into the nuances of this deal. Rob, how did you go about finding options in this constrained market for Mike? Well, we knew that more than likely wasn't going to come from a, a property on the MLS, right? And what we've been able to do over the last decade is build a network of bird dogs and wholesalers and rehabbers and friends and family. And everybody knows that we're always looking for assets that might be a good deal for one of our investors. And so this came from our network, Rob. Uh, we run a large investment network and somebody said, hey, I know of a pre-foreclosure that's happening. It's a family. They don't have a lot of time. And so I made Mike aware of it. And then we just got we, we got to work, right? Uh, it was a property. It was an estate. It had a lot of heirs. So there was a lot of people that had to agree to it. And I think, Mike, how much time did they have? I think we, we had 20 days to get it done. Yeah, it was like just over two weeks. Wow. It was yeah. two weeks getting the money took us a couple days, but then getting it all through the estate was the hardest part and trying to communicate directly with the pre-foreclosure attorneys wasn't easy, but we just kind of pushed and it, it literally came down to the wire. And uh, I think it was like the day before the auction, right? When we finally settled on it. Yeah. I was sweating bullets. I was sweating bullets. I thought, you know, we had about a week to, uh, to make the payment, get the uh, final payoff from the lender and apparently with all the heirs involved, it just took one day past, another day past. And like, I just like, just waiting for things to fall apart. Um, but yeah, we were able to get it done. I mean, Rob helped me a lot, push, kind of push some buttons. And especially on the money side, like we actually didn't even have the the exact payoff amount that we needed on that day. So Rob was like, just send the money. <laughs> yeah. Arguably important to know that, that information. Yeah. yeah. So you uh, end up working together. You find this off-market deal. Um, sounds like you've built a, a really great deal flow funnel where people are basically through your network, sending you deals or coming across and you finally find this deal. You frantically close it. Uh, you find out how much you're going to need to actually close on it. So we get to the finish line. Mike, tell us about the deal that you ended up purchasing. What type of property was it? Um, yeah. Give us some of those details. Details. Yeah, I mean, from the get-go, I was like, this is a good opportunity. It fits right within our buy box. It's a little two-level townhouse, three-bed, one-and-a-half bath. I think it's like 1,500 square feet. It's not very big. Fully cosmetic, kind of touched everything inside. It's actually an HOA too, so we didn't even have to really do anything on the outside. And yeah, I mean, the numbers just worked out well. We, we ended up putting under contract at 212.5. So 212,500 bucks. Yep. We'll put uh, just under 60000 into it in, in rehab, and that's like kitchen, baths, flooring, paint, like I said, pretty much full cosmetic. And we've got hard money on it. We've got closing costs. We should be in right around 300 just shy of 300 and um, there's really good comps at 350 so we should make 50K or so on it. So your ARV, your after repair value, after you put everything into it, you said it's 350000 yeah, I'll be between three fifteen and three seventy five, depending on pricing. Like we always believe in just making sure that we're pricing it right to create the, as much demand as possible. Even going into December, like I said, Rob, we just listed two properties where we just strategically priced them, created an auction effect, and we know the buyer pool for this particular property. Like it, it's going to go somewhere between three fifteen and three seventy five. Low low comps all day long, three fifty. Yeah, let me ask you about that because a lot of people obviously they're running their numbers based on cops from the last six to 12 months, things are changing quite a bit here. seems like that's a pretty healthy uh, profit. But when you guys are working on a deal like this and underwriting it, are you planning out for any kind of like, hey, what's my doomsday scenario? Like, is there is there a doomsday scenario for this? Or do all the recent comps back up that 350 to 375 is actually a, a pretty reasonable amount to expect? 
it's reasonable because this area is so dense. We could see like all the volume of all the sales that are happening. We've purchased properties like with Mike out in Front Royal, which is about an hour away from where we live. That's a little bit, it's a little bit slower. It takes a little bit longer. But where he put this one under contract, like the velocity of sales is super fast and there's a sure. lot of them to look at. So Doomsday would be 325. Do it like it'd be like, what is going on at 325? So at that, he covers his costs, he puts a few bucks in his pocket. It's not crazy, but you know, he's not gonna lose money on that. Yeah, this is a really quick one too. I mean, we closed on it six weeks ago. I think they're finishing up the reno. Um, there was a little bit of a lag uh, from the beginning of the reno getting in there and stuff because it was a pre foreclosure. It was bank owned. There were locks on. So we had a, you know, there was a little bit of a lag between the time we bought it and the time they started, but it's been a quick renovation. Should be on the market next week. Wow. That's, <laughs> that, that sounds pretty fast. So going into this, um, obviously you were in scramble mode trying to close on it. How did you feel going through the entire process of this type of property, this type of renovation? Were you confident? Was this still kind of during a time where you're developing your confidence as an investor? Uh, obviously a lot of people, you know, 16 to 18 months, this is all new territory, but given that you sort of had a few under your belt, get, tell us a little bit about your mindset. Yeah. I mean, I felt good about this one. The numbers to me just made sense. It's in our backyard, which makes it helpful. And and Rob has a lot of the resources here. So for me, it was like putting it under contract. And from there, it's pretty, pretty hands off, which is great. One of the reasons why I love working with Rob from contract to renovation to out sale, like it's basically all in his hands. I mean, I'm there kind of keeping an eye on things, checking in from time to time. But a lot of it is just kind of done for you. So Mike, tell me this. You said that you spent 60,000 bucks for a full cosmetic flip. Sounds like you didn't get behind there and do like wiring and, and new plumbing or anything like that. So how long does it take to do a full cosmetic flip? Yeah. I mean, like I said, this one was pretty quick. We didn't have to, it, it isn't an HOA. So a lot of the stuff that maybe you might deal with in a single family or something, not within an HOA, we didn't have to deal with. So, you know, roof, exterior, all that stuff was kind of all HOA responsibility. So we just went in, inspected everything. The, the systems looked decent enough to where we felt like we can move it with what's there. We didn't do any major electrical, plumbing, anything. We just kept everything right where it was. Went in, ripped out the kitchen, put in new kitchen cabinets, new countertops, same thing in the bathrooms, floors, paint. And they moved quick. I mean, it, it literally like, I think under six weeks for this one. And I would say six weeks is slow for the crews that we have to do that. Like normally that work should have been done in four weeks, but there was a delay because of the locks that the bank had put on the property and then trying to line up the contractors to get there. Because it didn't look like it was going to happen at first. We hadn't fully lined up the contractors like we probably should have. So there was about a week, week and a half time loss, right? Normally, as soon as you settle, boom, everybody's in there doing work. But there was a little bit of a lag. Yeah. So let's talk about, you know, you close on this. I want to talk about the next steps here. How did you actually secure the funding for a deal like this? Uh, it sounded like it was a, a frantic there at the finish line. So walk me through the financing of this. Yeah, we got hard money on it. Again, Rob has the network. Uh, I just kind of took his recommendation. Great hard money lender we used. It was a uh, fairly seamless. Again, as soon as we had the deal under contract, we we lined up the funding. The numbers made sense, and we got you know we got a good rate, good lender, and um, off we went. What do you consider a, a good rate on the hard money side? I think we're at ten and two, Rob. Ten percent with two points. Okay. And a point is basically 1% of the entire transaction, right? So if you pay $250,000 for this house, you're going to pay $2,500 per, per point effectively, right? Yeah. Cool. And um, do you happen to know off the top of your head what your holding costs were 
do this entire process? Like, what did you actually pay? Obviously, you told me you said two points, but how much did you pay in interest over the course of this loan? Yeah, well, we're still holding it right now. I'm estimating around 10K holding costs on it. Oh, okay. Yeah, that, that's really not bad. So you're basically paying 10K in holding costs. And in theory, are you predicting, did you say it was like a fifty to $75,000 profit or is it less than that? Yeah, it should be fifty to seventy-five. I mean, fifty was kind of like my low-end number. There's good comps, like I said, at three fifty. We should be in right around three hundred, and it could easily go above three fifty. I think Rob's right there. Yeah, that's pretty impressive. So, tell me a little bit about the prospective home buyer. Who do you think is the end buyer for this property? It's going to be a first-time home buyer for sure. It's going to be a first-time home buyer that has been frantically losing on some of the. Other properties that are out there, this price point of 350 is really hard to find in our market. You just not a lot for this product. So that's what I anticipate for some home buyer. That makes sense, especially con- considering you said that a lot of these first time home buyers really have no frame of reference for interest rates. They just need that really uh, not cheap, but affordable entry point property where the interest rate isn't going to hurt as much as obviously if they're buying like a million dollar property, right? That's right. And tell me, Rob. What price are you actually listing this property at? And is there a particular strategy when you're going through this process? Yeah, we're going to list it at 349900 All the data shows that that is the best place, kind of like that with that 900 at the end. Uh, we're going to list it on a Thursday. Thursdays always get more, you know, more traction than any other day because of the way the feeds work. We're going to build up demand two weeks before we actually go live on the property. So we'll do social media posts. We'll get it out to uh, all uh, our entire agent network. I mean, we're going to put it everywhere, right? And so we really build up demand ahead of time. And then we launch it on a Thursday. And then we do the open houses back to back Saturday and Sunday. And we make sure that the property's staged, right? Like one of the things we want to do is make sure that it feels good when somebody comes in. It smells good, right? I think a lot of investors through the years I've, I've noticed don't always stage their properties. I make sure that every one of my investors stages each one of their homes. Mike, is that is that something you implement in all of your flips? Do you stage them all as well? Yeah, for sure. You better. Yeah. Anytime Rob's involved, we know it. Just just listen to your rockstar realtor. They know best. That's um, right. So there's a lot of caution around flipping right now. Uh, we've kind of talked about why, right? There's a lot of changes happening. But why do you think that this is a great strategy in today's market, Mike? Yeah, for us, you know, we were looking to buy and hold early on in the year, but the rates have really jumped. And so we've kind of shifted away from that to a degree, unless we're looking at it from a sub two lens. So those opportunities that we might have considered as buy and hold opportunities earlier in the year or last year, we've now considered more of a fix and flip strategy on them. Line our coffers a little bit with the hopes that maybe next year we'll have some more opportunity to pick up some properties for the long term. So, And I think the biggest thing, Rob, honestly, product's moving super fast. So when product is still moving fast, it's a great market to fix and flip as long as you just make sure that all the numbers are right. So Rob, with, with that in mind, what should investors be aware of when flipping? Obviously, if the product is good, it moves very quickly, but do you got any uh, cautionary tales or, or tips that you can impart on our listeners at home? I think where, where investors mess up is when they overestimate the ARV, the after repair value, and they underestimate the renovation cost. They select the least expensive contractor out there because they think that that's the way to go. That's where I see people mess up. And that's where the spread gets completely crushed, right? A great contractor is essentially an insurance policy for an investor, right? Because they're going to get it done. They're going to get it done on budget. They're going to get it done on time. And um, and then just don't hope and wish for the highest sale. You know, look at what the average comps are in that market and make sure that your product is 
slightly better than those comps, stage it, price it accordingly, like I always say, at or slightly below market, and then let the market do its thing, right? Create the demand and let the market do its thing. Sounds like a be a premium version of your competition, no matter what price bracket you're in. Rob, I'm curious, when you're coaching your investors, why do you think flipping is a good wealth building tool? I actually, I don't think it's a good wealth building tool. Like I, I believe that buying and holding is the way to build wealth, but you do need to make sure that you have reserve accounts for those assets that you are holding. You do want to, like Mike said, he wants to put money in his coffers so that when a great buy and hold asset comes up, he can he could jump on it. So it helps you generate the cash you need to really do the buying holes that ultimately build you wealth. That makes sense. Mike, yeah. Tell me, you know, obviously you're doing these flips, but what is your strategy for holding holding on to them? Are you holding on to the best ones? Have you ever flipped a property and thought, oh, maybe I'll just keep this one for myself? I haven't done that where we intend on flipping something and keep it, but we're, we're pretty selective right now with where we're buying. Rob mentioned it earlier, we're buying in Front Royal, Virginia, which is outside of the metro area. Mm. It's a little more rural, but we feel like there's a lot of opportunity there. You know, we've turned up some other opportunities there that we haven't hung on to. We're being selective as far as you know, what the exit strategy is. We did some uh, sub twos early on that we intended on holding as short-term rentals. Again, Rob mentioned this. And we've even moved away from that a little bit because that market's gotten a little bit saturated. So we've gone more towards midterm and long-term rentals, which we just feel is stable right now, given the conditions of the market. And um, what we've learned in the last 18 months with, with a few of these opportunities that we've hung on to. So Awesome. Well, thank you, fellas, so much for coming in and sharing your knowledge about the D.C. area market and a little bit about the DMV area as well. Listen, if anybody here that's listening at home wants to connect with me, Rob Chavez or Mike Capello, we will be leaving all their information in the show notes down below. And of course, if you want to connect with Rob Chavez or amazing realtors that can help you land your next investment property, again, these are realtors that are trained in the world of investment that can help you land a cash flowing property, head on over to biggerpockets.com slash agentfinder. Again, that's biggerpockets.com slash agent finder, and we will catch everyone on the next episode of Bigger Pockets. The market is changing and finding your way can be tricky. Rates shift, headlines whirl, but your goal hasn't changed. You want financial freedom and the best investors know it's not about timing the market. It's about time in the market. If you're ready to get into the real estate investing game or take your game to the next level, finding an investor-friendly agent is your next step. With BiggerPockets Agent Finder, you can find the right agent in minutes. Just head to biggerpockets.com deals and enter a few details about what and where you want to buy and bam! Instantly match with an investor-friendly agent who fits the bill. These local market experts can help you navigate the neighborhoods, analyze the numbers, and take action with confidence once and for all. This free resource is only available at biggerpockets.com deals. Get an agent, get the deal, and get closer to financial freedom at biggerpockets.com deals. That's biggerpockets.com deals to find your investor-friendly agent today. The content of this podcast is for informational purposes only. Past performance is not indicative of future results, and all hosts and participant opinions are their own. Investment in any asset, real estate included, involves risk. Use your best judgment and consult with qualified advisors before investing. Only risk capital you can afford to lose. 
BiggerPockets LLC disclaims all liability for direct, indirect, consequential, or other damages arising from reliance upon information presented in this podcast.